you take your Bible and go to chapter 3, we'll read from the uh, scripture in just a moment. But we're in, in part 6 of our verse-by-verse study uh, through the book of Galatians. In the first two chapters of this book, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shows that we are saved. This goes right along with what you're saying. Only when we stop trying to earn our way to heaven and we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The message of the real gospel is that we're justified. In other words, that we are made right with God. We are declared righteous through faith alone, or by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the beautiful gospel that we cling to. Amen? Galatians 3, it's interesting, moves from dealing with our salvation to our sanctification, or you can say our spiritual growth as Christians. Not only are we saved by grace through faith in Christ, but we're sanctified. We grow spiritually by grace through faith in Christ. So here's what the implication of that. The gospel never loses relevance to our lives. The gospel is not just something you learn in the beginning to get you into the kingdom, but it it is something that you walk in daily. We, We walk, we live, we eat, drink, and sleep. The gospel... It has powerful implications for us every day and it will for all of eternity. And you know, it's interesting that Christians today understand, for the most part, that we're saved by grace through faith. But once we're saved, a lot of people move into this uh, this train of thought where, alright, God has saved me, but now I have to keep myself or I have to earn my keep. Have you ever been guilty of thinking in that sense? In other words, God's got me this far. Now he's kind of handed me the reins and it's up to me from here. Well, that's not the God of the Bible because every day we are called to walk in grace, not our own power, not our own strength. We're called to walk in the power of his might. Amen. And this means that the gospel is incredibly relevant to you and I today. Lest you think that I'm wasting my time by harping on the gospel or talking about the gospel so much. Friends, we are called to live by the gospel. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and stand. Galatians chapter 3. In verse 1, the Word of God says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then, watch this, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Don't miss that. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by faith by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That means us today as well. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Would you bow with me in prayer? Let's ask God to move upon us today. Father, we love you so much and we pray today, Father, that you would guide us and direct us as we come to your word. We want to hear you. And as we talked about this morning at the halfway house, Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word. And so, God, um, we just ask that you would open our hearts to the to the beauty of the real gospel, that we would know that this is not something that we just... Uh, believe for a moment or just something relevant to us for the moment of salvation but the implications of the gospel are for us to walk in every day it's beautiful it's wonderful glorious and we want to live out its implications on a daily basis so help us today to receive this in jesus name amen you may be seated well for even for, for those of us who thought or, or who understand and know the the beauty of the real gospel and we, we know that listen we're, we're saved by faith and we're kept by faith. Even if we have an intellectual tendency to understand that, there are times as Christians that we tend to um, kind of move over to this other brand of Christianity, which is really not Christianity at all. And that's a works-based Christianity to where I feel like I have to keep my place with God. That I better serve Him to a certain extent today or, or He's going to boot me out. We, we, we sometimes feel that we have to uh, somehow switch over to this other path of the law or, or le- keeping legalistic rules to, to keep our favor with God. Now, understand this. Good works are important. Amen? But our motive for, for good works is never to earn God's favor, to earn God's love, or to earn salvation, or to keep salvation. Right? What is, our, what is our motive? It's that He has given His life for us. I want to serve Him. I want to please Him. So our motive for good works, listen to me, is not even payback. How many have ever felt like, I just need to pay God back. I need to, I need to do something for God to pay Him back for, for what He's done for me. Do you know that you can never pay back God? You know Why? Because if our good works are even by the grace of God, guess what? Every good work that you do to pay Him back is another act of grace on God's part. He's allowed you to do that good work, and so you're just deeper into debt every day. So our motive for for serving God is not that, oh, well, well, I I need to do this to keep my salvation. Our motive for serving God is not, oh, I've got to pay Him back. Our motive for serving God is what Paul said in the last part of chapter 2 of Galatians. I just want to, he said, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. He said, I now live for the one who has given himself for me. That's the motivation. See, people tell me all the time, Pastor, if you 
talk too much about this grace message, people will use it as a license to sin. Well, brothers and sisters, if you use this as a license to sin, your heart has not experienced the grace of God. Because when you experience, I mean experience, not just here, but experience the grace of God, you are changed. All things pass away. All things are made new. The Holy Spirit comes upon your life and your heart is now bent to serve God. Because He, you're in a relationship with Him and you know He's given it all for you. And you just want to serve Him. So, so by me preaching grace to you as your pastor, I don't worry that you're going to go use this as a license to sin. Alright, because I'm just convinced that there's some people in here that treasure Him above all things. And if you treasure Him, you're going to want to serve Him, love Him. So I, I, I'm not worried about today, that today. What I'm worried about is even those of us who love the message of grace, that we, is that we have this tendency to step on this other path at times, feeling like or teaching others that you've got to do something else to really keep that right standing with God. And so the question is then, how do we stay on the right path? How do we stay walking in grace? If you want to use a hashtag, you can just hashtag it grace life this morning. How do we stay walking in the grace life? This is important because grace is incredible. And I never want to go back to where I feel like I'm under the law, under legalism. I don't ever want to go back. I want to experience freedom in Christ in my daily living. So let me give you out of this text two helps for living the grace life. Are you with me? Number one, nobody's with me. Usually I get one or two. All right. Good to know this morning. Number one, if you want to stay walking on the path of grace, you cannot let other people sway you from it. Because there are people who will try to bring you back into some kind of legalistic relationship with God where you have to earn your keep. And so, number one, don't be swayed. Somebody shout that out. Don't be swayed. To live out the grace life, you cannot be influenced by religious folks, alright? Look at verse 1. He says, oh foolish Galatians, let me modernize it for you. You idiots, alright? That's what he's saying to this church, believe it or not. Uh, He says, who has bewitched you? He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Who has bewitched you? Now, I've never had to say that to you guys. It seems like an odd phrase to be writing to a church. Who has bewitched you? Now, as we've talked about in previous weeks, just so you know, false teachers have Coming to the churches across the province of Galatia. Uh, Paul had planted these churches, gave them the real gospel. He leaves and immediately these Judaizers come in and they start preaching a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. They start preaching a faith plus works gospel that said, not only do you have to be uh, have faith in Jesus Christ, but also men, by the way, uh, we've we got a surgeon outside, you've got to be circumcised. All right, and then you have to you have to eat kosher. You have to keep the Mosaic law, uh, and, and they're putting all these rules on them, in, you know, in order for them to stand right with Christ. And it's freaking the Galatians out, and they're buying into it. They're being swayed, and so Paul is furious that they are being led astray by these false teachers. And he says these strong words: "Who has bewitched you?" Now, bewitched. The Greek word is bastiano. All right? And it means a couple different things. Number one, it means to speak evil of somebody. 
And I believe these false teachers were speaking evil of Paul. He has to really defend himself in this letter. And they were, they were leading the people of Galatia into evil. Because they're putting them back under a curse. But there's another meaning to this word. And I love this. Y'all going to feel this, I believe. One of the other meanings of this word, bastiano, is this. It means to bring evil on someone by giving them the evil eye. How many had a mama that could give you just the evil eye, right? My mom, I told you, she's five foot of crazy. And she could just look at me. And I feel like I, am, I was pierced to the heart growing up. We didn't have kids' church. We had to sit in what we call big church. And I used to like to crack jokes as the preacher was talking. Right? And, and so I used to giggle and I used to, uh, I used to draw on my bulletin and offering envelopes and all of these. How many drew on offering envelopes as a kid? Come on. And I remember my mama, she would just look at me and she'd give me that crazy eye. And I knew... That I was in the wrong and I was in trouble. Well, the Galatians, or these Judaizers, excuse me, were giving the Galatians the evil eye. Alright? Like, okay, you have faith in Christ, great, but you mean you're not going to be circumcised? You mean you're not going to follow the law? And they're just looking at them. And these Galatians felt like lesser Christians. As a matter of fact, it seems like they felt like they were not Christians at all. Have you ever had somebody in church that have made you kind of feel like you're not quite as Christian as they are? Because you don't look how they look, dress how they dress. Uh, Joel texted me last night and he said, hey, I'm wearing jeans tomorrow, is that okay? Which tells me that maybe there's some churches that might look at you funny if you wear blue jeans. I remember I was in Greeley, pretty traditional church, the first time I wore jeans. And I, I wore jeans because I wear them all week. And I just believe I ought to be real on Sunday morning and, and, and not be somebody who I'm not. I, I don't mind wearing a suit, um, but, but I just, I like to wear blue jeans. And, and so I, I remember some, some of the older people in our church, they just looked at me. Friends, they gave me the evil eye. They cut me with their eye, I promise you. It hurt. I felt like I, I was ready to go home and change because I didn't feel like a Christian that Sunday morning because I'm wearing blue jeans. It was great. We were... Um, when I graduated college, we were in Colorado, and we had a, a we had a big celebration, a kind of graduation party, and uh, my my mom came out and uh, she flew out there, and you know I'm from Winchester here here in Kentucky, and, and and we love three things in Winchester. What's the first one? Y'all know the first one. Come on, somebody! All right, I love this church. L8, and then anyone want to take a stab at the second? Well, we love UK, but there, uh, let's talk food for a second. Grippos, there you go. Grippos, what's the, one more thing? We just had a big festival over there. Beer cheese. Beer cheese. Y'all, y'all know my heart right now. You want to bless your chat, your pastor? Grippos, beer cheese, LA. I'm a happy camper. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. All right? So, so here's, here's what happens. You know, I, I always miss Kentucky when, when I was away. I love Colorado, love Arizona when we lived there, but I miss Kentucky. And so, my mom. Just had this great idea. She said, listen, we're going to make this like a Kentucky graduation. So my stepdad gets a bunch of dry ice and he ships out like a keg of beer cheese. I don't know if they make it in kegs, but that sounds cool. So he, he sends out this uh, beer cheese to me and a whole thing, a carton upon carton of L.A.'s. And I think we might have even had Grippos. And then my mom even added a little something, something, a little sausage ball action. How many like sausage ball? How many stomachs are growling right now? I better preach quickly. So here's the deal. All this happens. I mean, it, it's awesome. We're having a good time. And my mom is going around from table to table. People went to church, you know, there to, to celebrate with us. 
And she comes over to these older ladies who are sometimes think they're a little more Christian than everybody else. And, and they don't know, they don't get beer cheese, I guess. I don't know, but it's, it's not a thing there. And so um, the, one of the ladies, she's kind of persnickety, and she asks my, my mother, she says, uh, she says um, what kind of cheese is this? And my mom says, oh, it's beer cheese. And the lady just, she gives her the evil eye. I'm telling you, she, she stared her down. She gave her that one evil eye. And she looks at all the other ladies of the table. My mom's standing there. And she pushes it and she says, we will not be partaking in any of that. And she kind of gave her the evil eye. No, but, but, but have you ever been made to feel that way? I, I had the guys at the halfway house today said, you know what? We, all, we went to church and uh, he said, I, I used to feel like this. That people, because I wasn't where they are, they gave me the evil eye. Church, may real life community church never be a place where we give people the evil eye because they're not quite where we are yet. So, so we don't want to be that church. Um, this is what the Judaizers were trying to bring them back into. They were giving them the evil eye. So if we want to stay on the path of grace, you and I cannot be swayed by other people. Don't let religious folks put you back into bondage. Alright? We, we don't hand you. If you get saved this morning, we're not going to hand you a list of rules. The old membership card said, don't go to movies anymore. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm telling you. That's the truth. I don't need to give you a, a legalistic um, rule chart to follow when you get saved because you'll, you'll walk out of here more bondage than you came in. Yeah. I'm telling you, we need to start yeah. preaching Jesus. And, and I'm not saying that we turn a blind eye to sin. Sin is sin, and we talk about that a lot here. But I'm telling you, we, we're, we're not going to walk around in condemnation, and when we're, we're not going to put a bunch of legalistic rules on people and say, well, if you don't, if your certain, you know, your skirt's not down to your ankles and your hair's not a certain length, then, then, then you can't get in. Sorry, you're not quite as Christian. Yeah, faith in Christ, that's good, but you also have to have this outfit, and you also have to, you have to look like us, talk like us. No, faith alone, it's enough. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Period. And there's not levels of Christianity. You're kept by grace through faith in Christ. Yes, we mature in Christ. But it's not because we start keeping a certain amount of rules. We're kept, we're, we're sanctified by grace through faith in Christ, period. Alright? So, so how do we do that? Then? How do we disregard what people are saying? Here's what Paul says. He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly betrayed as crucified. He's talking about when he preached the gospel to them, it, it was so powerful. And I hope you have this overseas that when you preach that people feel like they've seen the crucified Christ. And he says, he, he's appealing to that in this argument. And he says, listen, who's bewitched you? Did you forget what I taught you? In other words, look back to the cross. Keep your eyes on the cross. And listen, if you'll just stay focused on the cross, religious folks won't mess with you. Alright? They won't be able to sway you. So remember, here's what you do by looking to the cross. Remember that Jesus fulfilled the law. You don't have to live it. You don't have to, to keep the Mosaic law. You don't have to eat kosher. Hallelujah. You can enjoy bacon. Come on, Come on somebody. Yeah. Here's a second thing by looking to the cross. Don't try to earn what Christ has already given you. Good don't try to earn what He's already given you. You know what a slap in the face it is to, to, to Christ when we're trying to earn our way to God when He's 
paved the pathway and it cost him a lot to do it. And and, and in chapter 2, Paul says, when we do that, we nullify the grace of God. He said, Christ came for no benefit. We need to walk in grace. So, number one, if we're going to stay on this grace path, we can't let people sway us. But secondly, we've got to walk by faith. We've got to walk by faith. Look at verse 2. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit, Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul reminds here the Galatians that believing or or trusting in the gospel of Jesus was the way they received the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit now indwells them because of faith. See, grace changes us from the inside out. That's why I don't have to hand you a, a rule book. We have the Bible, and grace changes us from the inside out. When you experience grace, your heart, instead of being uh, rebellious, we still have the flesh that we struggle with. We're still tempted. But you, from the inside out, your heart becomes bent. It's glorious towards the things of God. Because His commandments are now written on the tablets of our hearts. That's one of the beautiful parts of the new covenant. And so, Paul's reminding the Galatians... That listen, the same way that you receive the Spirit by faith is the same way that you stay on this path of grace, the same way that you're perfected, the same way that you are sanctified, it's by the gospel. By the gospel. Just keep trusting, trusting, trusting. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the mantra of your life. That's the mantra of my life. We ought to have that posted everywhere. Remember, my day-to-day, it's not my own strength that I'm going to preach. It's not my own strength that I'm going to witness. It's not by my own strength that I'm going to try to live a godly life. No, I'm living today by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I was knelt down in my office just before this and just praying, God, I don't have the strength to preach today. I'm tired. I preached a lot of weeks in a row. I, I, I don't feel like preaching. But Lord, thankfully, I don't have to depend on my own power. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. I need it today like I needed it on the day of my salvation. We walk by faith. Philippians 1, 6. I love this. I am sure of this, that who began a good work? He began a good work. In you will bring it to completion. He doesn't say, it doesn't say, I'm sure that he who began a good work will see that you bring it to completion. He says he'll bring it to completion. It's not up to you now. Friends, what he started in you, he's going to finish. I had a young man say to me about two months ago, I I met him in in the prison and he said this to me. He said, Pastor, I hope it sticks this time. And he was serious. I hope it sticks this time. I said, Brother, it's not up to you that it sticks. I said, He's the one who's able to keep you from falling. I said, you just keep trusting in Him. I, don't think that now this is up to you. You could see the burden. I don't know if I can live this out in this kind of environment. That's what he was thinking. And I told him, I said, you don't have to. If you just trust in Jesus, He'll give you the, the help to do it. You don't have to do it in and of your own strength. Verse 5, it says, Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you, do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith, just as Abraham believed God And it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul moves to this present tense argument that the Spirit is working miracles in their midst. You you, you want to see miracles in your church? I do. The greatest miracle is that of salvation. But I want to see the moving of the Holy Spirit. 
But I don't get the moving of the Holy Spirit by doing certain things and earning it. I do it by grace through faith in Christ. The same way. The the way that the, the, the Galatians were having miracles in their church was by faith. That's it. By faith, it's simple. So Paul moves to this kind of present argument. Let me ask you this. Have you felt that when you fail to obey the word of God, that you think to yourself sometimes something like this, I'll just try harder? Have you ever left church going, oh man, I'm going to try harder this week? See, that puts emphasis on our human effort. I need to learn not to just try harder. And I'm not saying that we don't have a part in this. We do. But really what it boils down to is I'll trust more. I'll trust more. Lord, I trust you this week because I know that if, you know, if, if this morning you feel the weight of something that happened this week, you feel the weight of your sin, guess what? Instead of going, oh, I'm going to try harder this week, you just need to go, God, I repent. I need to see you more beautiful than any sin. I need to treasure you above all things. So I repent and I just, I'm going to trust you this week. I'm going to trust you to be better than that sin. More enjoyable, more beneficial, more glorious than anything else in this life. And I trust you to work this out in my life. And you'll walk out of here in victory. But if you walk out of here going, oh, I just got to do better, I got to do better. You'll walk with your head hung low. Come on. I don't, I don't want you to walk out thinking, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I, I want you to walk out thinking, he can do it. If you'll just trust Him, if you'll just walk with Him, if you'll just abide in Christ, He will and can do it. Amen. Let's say that you struggle with pride. You don't just simply exercise willpower against it. Instead, you repent. You take yourself back to the finished work at the cross and say, this has already been taken care of. And you trust the Spirit of God to lead you and to work with you and replace the root of sin. See, that's what Christ does. It, sin is not just to do with behavior, but it's an internal thing. It's, it's got a root. And Christ is taking care of the root at the cross. And I'm grateful for that. Amen. Let me just recap this. And I, I just want to close with something really uh, neat that I found. God wants us to stay on this walking in this grace life. So many Christians are burdened. Because they're on... The path of the law or path of good works to where they feel daily like, I don't know where I stand with God because I, you know, I, I didn't really do very good yesterday. Listen, we are sons and daughters of God. I never woke up one morning growing up going, you know, as bad as I was at times, I never woke up going, I wonder if my parents are going to be here today. I wonder if they, they've abandoned me today. And there are some people that have experienced that, but our Heavenly Father is a good Father. I've been extremely frustrated at times with my children. But I've never once considered just abandoning them. And the word, you know, we, we quote often, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The word there is abandon. It's like a lady who would leave the, you heard of the lady a while back who, who left her, her, her child at a, at a rest stop. Had a baby, just left it there. Abandonment. It's not the kind of God we serve. And so it's not daily that I'm going, okay, where do I stand? What have I done? Where do I, where do I match up? No, it's today. I'm just going to abide and trust in Jesus. 
He's a good father. And I messed up yesterday and I'm going to repent. And, and I am going to, I'm going to trust the Lord today. And I'm going, to, I'm going to abide in Christ. And I know that He's going to work it out in my life. I know He's going to help me. I have people all the time come to the altar, Pastor, I don't know if I can do this. I keep wanting to go back to you know, whatever this sin is. And this. Let, let me tell you this. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Just trust Him. Let Him have your heart. If He has your heart, He'll have your walk. Value Him, treasure Him, love Him, adore Him. In closing, I came across um, this acrostic that Rick Warren had using the word grace, the first letter. And If you're taking notes, I encourage you just in a straight line down your sheet of paper, just write the, the letters G-R-A-C-E. Not that you couldn't spell grace, but... Um, just, uh, just write the word grace. And we're going to use this to, to kind of explain, just so you understand the, the, the wonderful, uh, how wonderful grace really is. And the, the wonder of it. Number one, the G, write this. God's grace is, or grace is God's gift to me. It's a gift. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing you can do to earn grace. If you could, it wouldn't be grace. You've earned it. Grace is getting what we don't deserve in a good sense. Okay, if I, if I give you something that you don't deserve, that is grace. Just to give you an example, a few years back, we were in Cracker Barrel. And uh, it came time to pay for my meal. The lady comes to my table, the waitress, and she says to me, Chris, she says, um, you don't have to pay today. I said, what do you mean I don't have to pay today? She says, your bill's already been paid. And I said, well, if I would have known that, I would have ordered a lot more food. Come on, somebody. Right? And I said, what do you mean my bill's paid? She said, oh, somebody from your church had been here and they saw you. So from then on, I, I just started to figure out where church people were going, and I just followed them from restaurant to restaurant. And they took care of the bill. And, and when that happens, and that's happened several times where people have paid for my meal, it feels weird. It feels weird because I ate the food, you didn't, and you're paying for it. And it's an unnatural thing, to, to it seems, to get what you don't pay for. You know, if you see something online that says it's free... How many of you are a little skeptical? You say, there's a what? There's a catch. What's the catch? When a salesman shows up your door and says, hey, this isn't going to cost you anything. You say, yeah, right. Take your bags and go. It's going to cost me something. And so, when it comes to faith, it's hard for us because we feel like it's difficult. We, we, we feel like it's, it, it is unnatural. We, we feel that, that tension that, okay, this is a gift, but, but really, guys, what do we have to do? But here's the second Part of this is the arts. It is received by faith. The gift is received by faith. If I were to, to give you a, a gift card today for Chick-fil-A, God's restaurant, and it was $50, you would have to have faith that that was a real legit gift card because I'm a prankster. Some of y'all be like, yes, I'm going to get up there and order like $50 of food and they're going to say, oh, this isn't real, right? My pastor did that to me because we were playing pranks all the time. He gave me a Starbucks gift card. So I go up and order like $20 worth of coffee. 
You know, and I'm like, you got anything bigger than a venti? And yeah, I mean, they come, yeah. And so I, I order this drink and, and, and food to go with it and all of this. And they run my card and they go, oh, somebody's already used this. I said, really? And uh, so you can visit my pastor's uh, grave site. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But you have to have faith in that gift card that, that, it, that it's working or it's not going to do you any good. And so this gift of grace, it's available to you, but for it to do any good in your life, what do you have to do? You've got to receive it by faith. You've got to trust in it. Number three, the A, it is available for everyone who believes. Regardless of race, of nationality, social status, bank account, colorful background, you name it, it doesn't matter. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tragic story this weekend. I was at the halfway house and I was counseling. I went to take the guys back from working on, uh, when was it? Thursday. And they called me in. They said, there's somebody here that needs to see you. And it was a, an, an inmate there and he had just lost his son. Stepson, 26 years old. He had cancer, and from, from shooting up, he had, he had another disease. And he lived a rough life. And this man to me said, I talked to my son and I shared the gospel with him. Because the, the, the dad who's in, who's in here at the halfway house, he's given his life to the Lord and he's living a really good life now. And he's, he's sharing the gospel with other people and he shared it with his, his stepson. But he said, Chris, he said he thinks that he's done too much, that God could never forgive him. So he was literally on his deathbed, UK hospital, a guard outside, because he was an inmate as well, guard outside the, the room. Can you imagine the weight of, and, and the loneliness and the fear? You're dying, your body's shutting down, and you think, God can't forgive me because it's too much. That's why we have example after example in the Bible where Jesus just offers grace to people who other, others rejected, even religious folks rejected. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery? She was kind of the, the town center. And they caught her in the act. And this was a gross sin. And they brought her, these religious folks were mad and, and, and hateful and spiteful and they... And their self-righteousness bring her before Jesus. Let's stone her. Let's do what the law says. Let's stone her. Messing with our men in this town. What a disgrace to this town. And they're mean and they're hateful. And she feels like a pile of garbage. And Jesus says, Let him without sin cast the first stone. And he asks her a question. He says, Where are your condemners? She looks around and they're all gone. Because none of us are without sin. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Because in Christ, listen, there's no condemnation. The, the young man laying in that hospital bed who's done it all. Every sin in the book. Jesus took care of it at the cross. If you'll just receive this free gift of grace that's for Him, just like it's for me. And it's for you because you might be sitting there thinking, 
Pastor, you don't know what I just did this week. And I would just say to you, again, it's for everyone. He didn't come for the self-righteous. He came for those that, that sinned and knew that they're sinners. And all of us are sinners. Even if you, don't, if you think you're one of the good ones, you're not. Because the Bible says if we've broken one law, if you've ever lied in your life, you're guilty of breaking it all. Number four, the C. Grace comes through Christ only. I don't have time to unpack these verses, but you can read later verses 10 through 14. I'm going to just emphasize verse 13 out of Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who's hanged from a tree. So that in Christ, Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Jesus is not a way to salvation. He's the way. Because He's the only one who dealt with the root of the problem. He's not one option to get to heaven. He's the way. You want to experience grace in your life? It's only through Jesus. It's not through any other religion. It's not through drinking any other kind of Kool-Aid. Whatever people are trying to feed you, there's only one way. Because there's only one man that's dealt with our core problem. The problem of sin. He took care of it some 2,000 years ago. And it comes only through Him. I love John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. If you want to experience grace, you must experience Christ. If you've never trusted in Him, if you've never believed in His death and burial and resurrection, if you've never asked Him to forgive you, if you've never repented, if you've never confessed Him as Lord, why not today? Number five, here's the beautiful part of grace. It is extended through all of eternity. Extended through all of eternity. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Not just life today, but life yesterday, today, and forever. Life. The abundant life is not just for this earth, but it's for eternity to come. 10,000 years you and I will praise the Lord in heaven, those of us who are in Christ. And it's not one day closer to being over. Because His grace, the manifestations of that grace will go on for all of eternity. So grace is not just something we experience for a moment, but we live it, we enjoy its implications today and forever. So let me ask you, why is it that anyone would want to go back under the law? Why would you want to live? Why are you a curse under the law? Because you can never keep it. So you put yourself under a curse because you're, you're trying to do something that's impossible to do. But if you'll just trust Christ today, if you'll just touch, trust Christ today, You can learn what it is to walk in grace. Now, how many are thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?